right. Praise the speed to our loving Father that we are able to study again his words and his commands. We will go to our study of the book of Judges. The last time we were in the book of Judges, we talked about, I believe, Deborah and Barak. And so today we're going to go through Judges chapter 6 and 7, which speaks of the judge Gideon. So let's go ahead and jump to Judges chapter 6, 1 down to 2. Once again, the people of Israel sinned against Yahuwah. So he let the people of Midian rule them for seven years. The Midianites were stronger than Israel, and the people of Israel hid from them in caves and other safe places in the hills. We all know about the cycle or the what you call the negative spiral of the, the book of Judges, or the people of God would spiral into sin because they forget all about Yahuwah. And so because they forget about Yahuwah, they become like the people that surround them and commit sin and wickedness and idolatry. And because of their sin, they're disciplined by Yahuwah. In this case, the people of Midian. The Midianites would oppress the people of Israel. And so the Bible says Midian rules over them for seven years. And it was so bad that Israel hid from them in caves. That's a miserable way to live your life. Always in hiding, hiding in caves, hiding in places that you think is safe. So we know during the days of Gideon, the people of Israel, because of their sin, were living in fear. What also did they have to face? Let's read Judges 6, 3 down to 6. Whenever the Israelites sowed any seed, the Midianites would come with the Amalekites and the desert tribes and attack them. They would camp on the land and destroy the crops as far south as the area around Gaza. They would take all the sheep, cattle, and donkeys and leave nothing for the Israelites to live on. They would come with their livestock and tents as thick as locusts. They and their camels were too many to count. They came and devastated the land and Israel was helpless against them. And so the people of Israel suffered greatly under the rulership of the Midianites. The Midianites were known for their camels. Their camels were used as weapons, and the people of Israel feared the appearance of these camels, and they were overwhelmed by the attacks of the Midianites together with the Amalekites, and so they were completely helpless and so when they would try to raise a livestock, they would take their sheep and cattle and donkeys. When they were trying to uh, raise agriculture, they would destroy the crops. And so they were living in oppression. They were living in poverty and in hardship. So this basically describes the life of the people of Israel during the day of Gideon. And so they were living in great fear. So the story of Gideon, in a way, is a story about overcoming fear. So this is the theme that we're going to look into as we go through Judges 6 down to 7. So how can we go from being fearful to fearless? And I think this is very relevant today because there's many reasons why people today are afraid. Wars and hardship and poverty, natural disasters. Uh, not to mention potential terrorist attacks. Um, we know we live in a dangerous world, not only physical dangers that we deal with, but also spiritual dangers. So we live in 
fear. So we need to learn how to overcome fear. So we go from being fearful to fearless. And so how does the book of Gideon or the book of Judges uh, in six and seven teach us about the process of becoming fearless? Because it's a process. And if it's a process, sometimes it can be slow. It's not instantaneous. We cannot simply pray to God. And then after our prayers, we are all of a sudden no longer afraid of anything. It's a process, something that we learn, and it's something that we need to incorporate in our daily life. And so let's go ahead and go to the book of Judges, 6, 7 to 10. Because of the harsh conditions that they were living under, what did the people of Israel decide to do? Let's read 7 to 10. Then the people of Israel cried out to Yahuwah for help against the Midianites. And he sent them a prophet who brought them this message from Yahuwah, the God of Israel. I brought you out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from the people who fought against you here in this land. I drove them out as you advanced and I gave you their land. I told you that I am Yahuwah, your God, and that you should not worship the gods of the Amorites whose land you are now living in, but you did not listen to me. And so when the people of Israel suffered enough and it reached the point when they could no longer bear it, what did they do? They prayed. They cried out to Yahuwah for help. It's likely it's not really a complete cry out of repentance, but out of desperation. But you know, Yahuwah is so faithful to his promise, even prayers of desperation he honors, he listens. This is why when we find ourselves in predicaments and we have reached a crisis in our life, we need to cry out to Yahuwah. Why? Because of what the name Yahuwah means. You know, if you go to the book of Exodus chapter 34, it tells us the meaning of Yahuwah. It means unfailing love, faithfulness to his promises, this is why he fulfills his promise, even if we are unable to do so. It speaks of mercy and compassion, kindness and goodness. This is why when Yahuwah responded to the cry of Israel, he sends a, an angel or he, sell, he sends a prophet and the prophet tells them about Yahuwah. You notice what the message of Yahuwah God is to the people of Israel who cried to him. God of Israel says, I brought you out of slavery in Egypt. His unfailing love. I rescued you from the Egyptians, the power of God, and he helped fight against them. And this is the faithfulness of God. He drove them out. I gave you their land. This is the goodness and kindness of God. And so we can see here the name Yahuwah expresses unfailing love, compassion, uh, faithfulness, power, mercy. And this is what the name of God is all about. And so what are the things we need to do? when we find ourselves in fearful situations is to pray and then to invoke by faith the name of Yahuwah, which stands for unfailing love, faithfulness, compassion, mercy, and power. You see, when we remember the attributes of our Father and have faith in his character, Yahuwah is always waiting for us to cry to him for help. It is unfortunate for the people of Israel during the time of the Midianites the prayer was a last resort. That should not be the case for us. Prayer should never be our last resort. Instead, it should be our first response because it is our first 
resource. And so to go from fearful to fearless, we need to cry out to Yahuwah Abba, invoking the name of Yahuwah and the name of Yahushua, which is depicting of the sacrificial love of our Father. What also must we do? The book of Judges 6, 11, 12. Then Yahuwah's angel came to the village of Oprah and sat under the oak tree that belonged to Joash, a man of the clan of Abiezer. His son Gideon was threshing some wheat secretly in the wine press so that the Midianites would not see him. Yahuwah's angel appeared to him there and said, Yahuwah is with you, brave and mighty man. And so here we have a change of scenery. We go to the village of Oprah and we find there a man by the name of Gideon. What was Gideon doing? He was in a wine press, a secret wine press. He was threshing some wheat. You know, it's not easy to thresh wheat without being on a threshing floor. And so he had to create his own threshing floor because he was hiding from the Midianites. And so because of this situation, we know that Gideon is a hard worker, right? I mean, he was doing a menial labor here. And so he was busy threshing some wheat secretly. And then all of a sudden, Yahuwah's angel appears to him. And what does Yahuwah say to Gideon? Or what does the angel of uh, Yahuwah say to Gideon? The Bible says, Yahuwah is with you, brave and mighty man. This angel of Yahuwah is the representative of Yahuwah. So this message came from Yahuwah. He told the angel, tell that guy, tell Gideon that Yahuwah is with him, that he's a brave and mighty man. And it's interesting that he will be called a brave and mighty man because there's no indication that that is, that is the case right here. Because after all, he's done nothing to, to liberate the people of Israel from the hands of the Midianites. He's doing secret work, uh, crushing out some wheat, right? But nonetheless, the Bible tells us that Gideon is described as brave and mighty man. And so what does Gideon say to the angel of the Lord? By the way, he does not recognize the angel of the Lord as an angel of the Lord because he is disguised as a human being. He looks just like a human being. And so Gideon said uh, to the angel, verse 13, Gideon uh, said to him, if I may ask, sir, why has all this happened to us if Yahuwah is with us? What about all the wonderful things that our fathers told us Yahuwah used to do? How he brought them out of Egypt. Yahuwah has abandoned us and left us to the mercy of the Midianites. And so here's uh, Gideon speaking to this uh, angel looking like a man who happens to be the angel of Yahuwah. And he asks, if I may ask, why has all this happened to us if Yahuwah is with us? That's a weird question to ask. But it does tell us a lot about the people of Israel. You know what that is? They seem to have a, lot, a lack of self-awareness, right? They don't realize the reason why they're in a problem is because of their own fault, right? They thought the problem that they faced was because of the Midianites. They thought the problem was the Midianites. Oh, the real problem was themselves, but isn't it like all human beings? Isn't human nature 
whenever we face some kind of trouble, some kind of problem, what is our natural tendency? Oh, to blame others, to blame the environment, right? Instead of owning up to our responsibilities and blame ourselves. So we tend to blame others and external circumstances for the problems that we cause. This is why one of the most helpful things we can do so that we can go from fearful to fearless is to take an account or of where we have failed. At least it gives us a sense of some kind of control, even though we must accept the fact we cannot control everything. But when we take account of where we have failed, it gives us courage to do better. This is why this is another step. We need to be accountable and take responsibility for our own shortcomings. We need to see where we have fallen short of God's expectation of us. What else? Let's read verse 14. Then Yahuwah ordered him, go with all your great strength and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I myself am sending you. <laughs> and so here's Gideon. And all of Israel, helpless against the Midianites, because they were a powerful nation with all those weapons, with all those camels, and they also have the Amalekites backing them up. And here's Gideon, who's just threshing wheat. He's just a farmer, right? And then what does Yahuwah God tell him? I want you to go and set free the people of Israel. If you were Gideon, what would you do? If you were Gideon, and all of a sudden Yahuwah God tells you, I want you to liberate Ukraine from Russia. <laughs> what? Me? And so what does Gideon say? Let's read. Gideon replied, but Yahuwah, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the tribe of Manasseh, and I'm the least important member of my family. And so here's Gideon. He makes a good point, right? I mean, as a human being, we will think like Gideon. Yahuwah God is sending us to go out there and fight against the, the Midianites. But how can you be victorious if your clan is the weakest in the tribe of Manasseh? Not only is your clan the weakest, you are the least important member of your family. And so he has a good excuse, right? Well, what does Yahuwah say? Let's read. Yahuwah answered, you can do it. <laughs> Don't you love Yahuwah Abba? How he is so encouraging. Right? You're all weak. You're kind of looking at yourself. I'm just this nobody. Just an ordinary guy. In fact, I'm the least in my family, and my family's the weakest clan in all of my tribe. And then Yahuwah singles you out and says, I choose you. And then he says to, to him, You can do it. <laughs> Why? Because I will help you. You will crush the Midianites as easily as if they were only one man. And so here's Gideon. What does Yahuwah want Gideon to pick up on? He wants Gideon to understand when Yahuwah says, I send you, it means Yahuwah's going to go ahead of you. When Yahuwah says, I will help you, he will do most of the heavy lifting. Basically, all you have to do is kind of show up, right? And so he needs to realize that when he looks at the situation, he needs to remember, and we need to remember, that we have to measure the problem not using our own measuring stick of our own ability, 
but using the standard of God's ability. You see, we tend to evaluate success of something based on our human strength and ability, right? That's what we tend to do. And so when we, for example, lose a job or we get sick, we go to the internet, look at what's the prognosis for this disease. And so we measure the prognosis or the success of something according to human strength, human wisdom, human ability, but God wants us to do something else. We need to measure uh, this potential for success using the standard of God's ability. And we know when it comes to our father, Yahuwah, nothing is impossible with him. So he wants us to learn trust. Trust is about placing our hope in what Yahuwah can do rather than what we ourselves can do. Because Yahuwah's help is the difference that makes all the difference in the world and so that's what we need to do to go from fearless or from fearful to fearless measure the problem based on Yahuwah's strength and not ours don't be like the people of Israel when they saw Goliath they saw Goliath they looked at themselves and they said we can't do it they should have saw they should have looked at Goliath and then looked at who God and should have said we can take him that's what David did that's why even though he was a shepherd boy, he was able to overcome and defeat Goliath because he measured the problem not based on his own strength, but on the basis of the strength and power of Yahuwah. What else must we do to go from fearful to fearless? Judges 6, 17 to 18. Gideon replied, if you are pleased with me, give me some proof that you are really Yahuwah. Please do not leave until I bring you an offering of food. He said, I will stay until you come back. Now, this is a typical response from someone who doesn't study and devote himself in scripture. And so he's not really familiar uh, with, he doesn't really have this robust relationship with Yahuwah. And so he is kind of hesitant to agree. Okay, I'll go. And it's to be expected because he started off not really being a man of God. Because all of Israel, they kind of fell away from being the people of God. And so here we have Gideon, who is approached by the Father in response to the prayer of the people of Israel. And then he wants proof that Yahuwah is who he says he is. Makes sense. And Yahuwah allows us to do that because he understands our human nature. He knows we are weak. He knows we are flesh, right? And so he asks Yahuwah stay and, uh, to give proof that he is who he says he is. 19 and 21, so Gideon went into his house and cooked a young goat and used 10 kilograms of flour to make bread without any yeast. He put the meat in the basket and brought them the pot, brought them to Yahuwah's angel under the oak tree and gave them to him. The angel ordered him, put the meat and the bread on this rock and pour the broth over them. Gideon did so. Then Yahuwah's angel reached out and touched the meat and the bread with the end of the stick he was holding. Fire! came out of the rock and burnt up the meat and the bread. And then the angel disappears. The man disappears. And so he began to realize when this happened, Gideon realized something. Gideon then realized it was Yahuwah's angel he had seen. And he said in care, Sovereign Yahuwah, I have seen your angel face to face. In other words, he was in the very presence of Yahuwah. Because of what happened, the fire that came from the rock 
And when he realizes this, that he was in the presence of Yahuwah, what does Yahuwah say to him? But Yahuwah said to him, peace, don't be afraid, you will not die. Gideon built an altar to Yahuwah there and named it Yahuwah is peace. It is still standing at Oprah, which belongs to the clan of Abiezer. And so when Gideon realizes that he was in the presence of Yahuwah, he was in awe, he was in reverence. And because of this awe and reverence that he was feeling, he was compelled to build an altar. In other words, he worshiped Yahuwah and he named the altar Yahuwah is peace because Yahuwah says to him, don't be afraid, you will not die. Peace. You know what the Hebrew word for peace is? Shalom. You see, when we experience the shalom of Yahuwah because of our reverence and offer him, because of our fellowship with him, it has a way of kind of overcoming peace. Yahuwah tells uh, Gideon, peace, because he's going to send him to war. You see, before we can win a war against the enemies of our faith, we need to first have peace with God. Make sense? This is why Yahuwah says to him, peace. You have my peace, now you can go to war. Because Yahuwah's peace is what emboldens us to wage war against the enemy of our faith. So one of the things that we need to do to overcome fear is to experience the shalom, the peace of Yahuwah, through reverent and fervent worship, through fellowship with Yahuwah. You see, the more we are connected, the more we have a fervent relationship with our father Yahuwah, the more we experience his presence in our life, it has a way of diminishing and pushing away the fear. And so that's the one thing we need to nurture in our day-to-day -day life. What else? The book of Judges 6.25-27. That night, Yahuwah told Gideon, take your father's bull and another bull, seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the symbol of the goddess Asherah which is beside it. Build a well-constructed altar to Yahuwah your God on top of this mound. Then take the second bull and burn it burn it whole as an offering, using for fire with the symbol of Asherah you have cut down. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did what Yahuwah had told him. He was too afraid of his family and the people of the town to do it by day, so he did it at night. And so here's Gideon. Yahuwah tells him to do something. And what was that? Two things. Remove the altar of the pagan gods. Right? Remove everything that is of Baal and of Asherah. Apparently, during the days of Israel, during this time, the people of Israel were engrossed in idolatry, in the worship of Baal and the worship of Asherah. Do you know why? What does Baal represent? He's supposed to be the god of uh, agriculture the god of weather and so he was the god of prosperity and so if they wanted to produce a lot of crops from their land they had to worship Baal that was the belief system that was a culture in that day it was all about fertility and sexual immorality so they were attracted to that and so they absorbed the practice of the people during that time and Gideon's family he ha they had their own set of Baal and Asherah paraphernalia. And Yahweh says, get rid of it. But who was afraid to do that? Gideon, he was afraid of his family. He was afraid to 
do what God wants because it might affect the family. I don't know. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> right? You don't want to do what God wants you to do. What would my dad say? What will my mom say? What will my uncles think about me if I do what God wants me to do? And what God wants me to do is not what they want to do. There is Gideon. He's experiencing a little fear. So he wants to do it secretly. He's a secret follower of Yahuwah, right? See, so you see Gideon, he's kind of progressing. He's not yet perfected his faith. He's kind of progressing, right? And so here he is. He does what Yahuwah wants him to do, but he does it at night so that he would not get caught. And so what happens afterwards? Well, when the people of the town got up early the next morning, they found the altar to Baal and the symbol of Asherah had been cut down and that the second bull had been burnt on the altar that had been built there. They asked each other, who did this? And so they investigated. <laughs> they investigated and found out that Gideon, son of Joash, had done it. And they said to Joash, bring your son out here so that we can kill him. Oh my goodness. He tore down the altar to Baal and cut down the symbol of Asherah beside it. Can you imagine how deeply engrossed the people of Israel were in idolatry? Idolatry was the norm. The family were into it. And so Gideon, he was the only one who wasn't worshiping Baal and Asherah. And so when they found out through investigation that he was the one who destroyed um, the symbol of Asherah and the altar of Baal, they wanted to kill him. Israel was deep into idolatry. Pagan worship became the norm. But the father of Gideon, what does he say? But Joash uh, said to all those who confronted him, are you standing up for Baal? Are you defending him? Anyone who stands up for him will be killed before morning. If Baal is a god, let him defend himself. It is his altar that was torn down. From then on, Gideon was known as Jerubal because Joash said, let Baal defend himself. It is his altar that was torn down. It's a good thing that dad kind of gave in and protected his son, right? Defended his son. You see, beloved brethren, when you want to do what is right, when you want to do the will of Abba, you want to stand up for what is right and you're kind of afraid about what's going to happen to your family and your relationships with your family, right? Beloved brethren, if we do the right thing, eventually members of our own home will be affected by that. We could be the instrument by which everyone in our home, everyone in our family will also follow what Yehovah God wants to be done. This is why Gideon was known as Jerub Baal, meaning Baal will contend with him. And so he was willing to go against the majority. He was willing to go against Baal. We too need to have the same attitude. We need to remove any hindrances to fellowship with our father Yahuwah. We need to remove all these idolatries in our life. What else? Book of Judges 6, 33, 35. Then all the Midianites, the Amalekites, and the desert tribes assembled, crossed the river Jordan, and camped in the valley of Jezreel. The spirit of Yahuwah took control of Gideon, and he blew a trumpet to call the men of the clan of Abiezer to follow him. 
He sent messengers throughout the territory of both parts of Manasseh to call them to follow him. He sent messengers to the tribes of Asher, Zebulon, and Naphtali, and they also came to join him. And so what did Gideon do? Because there were the people of the Midian, Midianites, together with the Amalekites and the other desert tribes, they were consolidating their forces and they were going to attack the people of Israel. And so Gideon, in response, he blows a trumpet to call the people together for battle. And so he summons the tribes of Asher, Zebulon, and Naphtali, and they all came to join him for battle. And so Gideon, after following what Yahuwah told him to do, after worshiping him and receiving the peace or shalom of Yahuwah, he's ready, he's ready to take action. And that's what he did. He takes the action of faith. This is why he was included in the list of hero, heroic, faithful people of God in the book of Hebrews 11. If you read Hebrews 11, it kind of tells us all these heroes of faith who took action because of their faith. Here's Gideon. He's really no soldier. He's a farmer. He belongs to the weakest clan, the least of the member of his family. But he becomes the leader, even though he was weak, because he believed and held on to the truth that Yahuwah is with him. And so because of that faith, he takes action. Then Gideon says to God, you say that you have decided to use me to rescue Israel. Well, I am putting some wool on the ground where we thresh the wheat. If in the morning there is dew only on the wool, but not on the ground, then I will know that you're going to use me to rescue Israel. And so here's Gideon. I mean, he already took some action of faith, right? He tore down the altar, which risked his life. He did that. That was an action of faith. He called for the armies of the different tribes. So he was getting himself ready. But he was not yet at that point where his faith was perfect. Because really, when you think about your faith, we can't really say our faith is perfect. I mean, among us today, how many here have perfect faith? Raise your hand if you have perfect faith. If you're on Facebook, type there if you have perfect faith. Anyone here have perfect faith? No, we don't have perfect faith. We have faith. But one thing about faith is it's not yet perfect. It's growing. We want to grow our faith. So here's Gideon. His faith is not yet perfect. And so what does he want to see from God? He wants to see a sign. Do we do that sometimes? Sometimes we ask God, Lord God, Yahuwah, please, if this job is the job you want me to do or want me to take, give me a sign. If you want, to, want me to go to this university, please give me a sign. You know, when you think about it, there's nothing really wrong with doing that. So long as what we are asking from Yahuwah Abba, what we are asking help as far as making a decision is concerned, it's not anything written down okay it's something that's like a gray area it's like uh, it, it's like uh there's no biblical verse that says you have to go work at mcdonald's nothing that says that right and so if it's something like that there's something wrong with asking yahuwah abba to give us a sign because after all yahuwah knows we are weak he knows that our faith is not yet strong and so he asked for a sign and so what happened that is exactly uh, what happened when Gideon got up early the next morning. He squeezed the wool and wrung enough dew out of it to fill a bowl with water. Then Gideon said to God, don't be angry with me. 
let me speak just once more. So far, he's asked for two signs. Remember, first one was when the fire came out of the rock. This is the second sign was when he, when he woke up in the morning and the wool was covered with dew. And he goes, um, <laughs> God, please don't be angry with me. Let me speak just one more. One more sign, please. Just one more. Please let me make one more test with the wool. <laughs> this time, let the wool be dry and the ground be wet. So it reverses now, right? And so that night, God did that very thing. The next morning, the wool was dry, but the ground was wet with dew, right? And so Yahuwah understands us. He knows who we are. He knows we're weak. And it's good that we want to grow our faith because that's what Gideon's doing here. He wants to grow his faith. He admits his faith is not yet strong. And so a lot of us begin with weak faith, and that's okay, so long as we grow it. You see, a weak faith is better than no faith, right? And so raise your hand if you have weak faith. Well, if you have weak faith, say to yourself, at least I have faith. <laughs> you see, weak faith is better than no faith. But a growing faith is better than a weak faith. You see, we need to grow our faith. And the way we do that is by addressing our doubts. So we address our doubts and grow our faith. Now, instead of asking God for a sign, what we can do is approach our Messiah, just like the man or the father who struggled with his faith. What do you mean if I can? Yahusha asks. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And so, beloved brothers and sisters, what we need to do, what we need to learn is to grow our faith. And we cannot grow our faith unless we first address our doubts. So if we have any doubts about anything, we need to go to Scripture. If we're struggling finding anything in Scripture, ask for the guidance of the minister. Ask for each other's guidance so that we can learn how we can address these doubts. So we can go to our Messiah and say to him, my king, Yahushua. I do believe, but please help me overcome my unbelief. And so Yahushua wants us to grow our faith. How many here want to grow their faith? I think sometimes we ask God, Father, please perfect my faith. Oh, Father, please help me to grow in faith. Please increase my faith. That's a good prayer. But do you know how, often, how God often answers that prayer? When we pray to God and say to God, Lord God, please increase my faith. Do you know what God's going to do if you want your faith increased? Yep, you got it. If you want your faith to grow, be prepared for, for our faith to be tested. Do you know why Yahuwah God tests our faith? Because when he tests our faith, it reveals to us where we actually place our faith. And when we begin to realize where we place our faith, we begin to grow and refine our faith. The two purposes of why Yahuwah God tests our faith. And so here is Gideon. He sees that the signs he, were asked, he was asking for was fulfilled. And so his faith is kind of growing. And so what do you, what do you think is going to happen in his faith? It's going to be tested. You know how his faith is tested? Let's read the book of Judges 7, 1 to 3. Then Jerubbaal, that is Gideon, 
And all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Harad. So the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Moreh in the valley. And Yahuwah said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites, Midianites into your hands. Lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying my own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. Here's Gideon because of his battle cry, because of his leadership, because of his faith, he was able to get a big army, pretty large amount of army, a big, pretty big, big army, relatively speaking. He was able to get 32,000 men to be his soldiers, 32,000. But then his faith got tested. How so? Yahuwah God says, that's too many. <laughs> 32,000 soldiers, that's too many. If you guys win, the people will say, oh, it's because of what we did. And Yahuwah God says, let's not get the glory. You know, this tells us something about Yahuwah. The glory that belongs to Yahuwah, we must not try to get for ourselves. You see that? <laughs> and so he often uses people who are weak and humble so that when he is able to accomplish something, we know the one who gets the credit is our Father, this is why the work of Yahuwah begins with the small, begins with the weak, begins with the humble. Yahuwah does not begin a work with those who are great. Why? Because he does not get the glory. He begins the work choosing the small, choosing the weak, choosing the humble. And so he says to Gideon, the 32,000 men you have, it's too large. And so this is what you do. Whoever is fearful and afraid, let them go back. Let them go back. They're not going to fight in this battle. Yahuwah does not want to deal with them. And so how many were left? 10,000. And so when you look at Gideon's army, 32,000, going to go against the Midianite army of 135,000. So Gideon at this point must be feeling, okay, I have a fighting chance because I have, 30, have 32,000. Plus Yahuwah. Right? 32,000 plus Yahuwah. And then Yahuwah says, no. Send the 22,000 home, and he only has 10,000 left. 10,000 versus 135,000. I don't know about you, but that's not that many. Right? 10,000 against 135,000? I mean, if Gideon's faith was in his army, he's going to probably be filled with a lot of doubt right now. He might not continue with the war. He might back out, right? But Yahuwah's not yet finished. Seven, four to five. Then Yahuwah says, said to Gideon, you still have too many men. Take them down to the water and I will separate them for you there. If I tell you a man should go with you, he will go. If I tell you a man should not go with you, he will not go. Gideon took the men down to the water, and Yahuwah said to him, separate everyone who laps up the water with his tongue like a dog from everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And so Gideon was given the task of watching all 10,000 people. How do you drink? 
It's an everyday task. And so according to Yahuwah, look at how they drink. If they go down to the water, right, and get uh, water in their hands and drink it like a, a dog from their hand, that's one kind. And But then take notice of the people who will go to their knees and drink water. And so this is like an everyday thing. Did you know that Yahuwah God is testing us in everything that we do in our life? I mean, who would have thought that how you drink water is going to matter to God? I mean, I know there's, uh, there's this employer who before he hires someone to work on his staff, you know what he does? He goes to the person's car and tells him, drive me to this place. And so while he is driving, he's like looking at his car, see how neat the car is. <laughs> and he, tell, he looks at how vigilant a driver he is. And so if the car is like, you know, has an odor and it's kind of filthy, he's not going to be hired. <laughs> he's always looking, you know, he didn't realize that the, the employer was looking at his everyday behavior. You know, Yahuwah God is testing us all the time. He's evaluating everything we do. Bible says in the book of Job, what are people that you should make so much of us, that you should think of us so often, for you examine us every morning and test us every moment. How do you feel about that? That every moment he tests us and examines us. This is why... If we want our faith to grow, we have to be aware of our moment-to-moment -moment experiences. We need to be aware of where we kind of fall short so that we can grow in the future. And so Yahuwah tells Gideon, after he observes the people drinking water, and says only 300 of the men drank from their hands, all the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. And so the army of Gideon continues to shrink, right? From 10,000 to how many? 300. Can you imagine? 300 versus 135,000. If Gideon's faith was based on the strength of his army rather than the strength of Yahuwah, he would not have gone into battle he would have ran away. But his faith was based on whose power? Power of Yahuwah. So he passes the test. He's going to go to battle anyways, even if he only has 300, because he knows he's going to be helped by the creator of the universe, Yahuwah Abba. And so, beloved brethren, we need to grow our faith, and we grow our faith by addressing our doubts and being aware of our day-to-day -day expressions of faith. Exercise our faith. Every day. What else? Book of Judges 7, 7 to 8. Yahuwah told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. So Gideon collected the provisions and ram's horns of the other warriors and sent them home. But he kept the 300 men with him. The Midianite camp was in the valley just below Gideon. That night, Yahuwah said, get up, go down into the Midianite camp. For I have given you victory over them. But if you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura 
Listen to what the Midianites are saying, and you will be greatly encouraged. Then you will be eager to attack. So get into Pura and went down to the edge of the enemy camp. Bible tells us that Yahuwah, as he prepares Gideon and his 300 for battle, Yahuwah understands as human, be human beings, one's faith sometimes is high, the next day it becomes low, right? Because that's the way our emotions are. High, low, high, low. Yahuwah knows our human nature. You know why? Because he made us. He knows our weaknesses. And so he knows, yes, they may be on a high this day, but circumstances change. Their minds begin to shift in their thinking. And so sometimes they begin to go back in the low level of faith. And so Yahuwah says, you need to remain and maintain your encouragement. This is why he, he says, verse 11 or verse 10, but if you are still afraid, do you see that? Yahuwah knows that they might be afraid. But if you're still afraid, Yahuwah knows that you only have 300. And so he understands they might be afraid. If you are still afraid, go down to the camp with your servant Purah. Listen to what the Midianites are saying, and you will be greatly encouraged. I want you to understand, it's important for us to maintain encouragement. Because if we become discouraged, we don't go forward, we go backward. And so Yahuwah wants us to maintain encouragement. How can we be encouraged with one way is to hold on to the promise of Yahuwah. Here, Yahuwah has a promise, a specific promise to them. Yahuwah says, I have given you victory over them. And so that, that alone should be enough, right? Because if Yahuwah gives us a promise, if we claim and hold on to that promise, it should give us the encouragement we need. The most encouraging thing we can ever receive is a promise from our Father, Yahuwah. Does Yahuwah God have a promise for us? Oh, yeah. Book of 1 John 4, 4, but you belong to God, my children, and have defeated the false prophets because the spirit who is in you is more powerful than the spirit and those who belong to the world. Yahuwah gave us his spirit because we are the sons and daughters of God. By that spirit, we can overcome the spirit that is in the world. So don't be afraid. Yahuwah God is with us by his spirit. What else? Yahusha says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Do you believe that? We should believe it. And so when we identify promises that we can expect, that we can hold on to, it gives encouragement in our hearts and our souls. But sometimes we still need more. Yahuwah knows that. That's why he says, listen, to what the Midianites are saying. So go and take Pura and go to the edge of the enemy camp and listen to what the Midianites are saying. And so that's what they do. They go to enemy camp. They see how formidable the Midian army is. And then they listen to the conversation. What is that called? Spy. <laughs> go spy and listen to what they're saying. And so that's what they do. They take Pura with them. And this is what happens. The armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east had settled in the valley like a swarm of locusts. Their camels were like grains of sand on the seashore, too many to count. That must have been discouraging to see your enemy that numerous and formidable. Gideon crept up just as a man was telling his companion about a dream. The man said, I had this dream, and in my dream, a loaf of barley bread 
came tumbling down into the Midianite camp. It hit a tent, turned, turned it over, and knocked it flat. And so here we have conversations between two people in the Midianite camp. One of them had a dream. And the dream was about barley, a loaf of barley bread, barley meal. And it comes tumbling down into the Midianite camp. It hit the tent, turned it over, and knocked it flat. Do you know what the barley bread represented? Let's read. His companion answered, your dream can mean only one thing. God has given Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite, victory over Midian and all its allies. And so one had a dream. The other had an explanation of the dream. Who do you think is behind all of that? Do you think all this kind of happened by luck? No. Yeah, who is behind it? Behind the dream, behind the person who gave the explanation about the dream. What was the explanation of the dream? It means God has given Gideon victory over Midian because the barley bread, only the poor people. Barley meal was given to like the dogs and the cattle for food. And so represent the poor, that represented Gideon. But it would topple, topple over Midian. And so the meaning of that dream is God going to give Midian to Gideon. What do you think uh, Gideon felt when he heard them talking about his victory? He probably was encouraged. See, brethren, I want you to understand something. People can either encourage us or they can discourage us. Right? What do we want? We want to be encouraged by the people we fellowship with. This is why when uh, Gideon heard and he was encouraged by what he heard, what did he do? When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship before Yahuwah. Then he returned to the Israelite camp and shouted, get up for Yahuwah has given you victory over the Midianite hordes. And so they know they're going to be victorious. Yahuwah has given them encouragement. How? By using people. And so today we need to find and maintain encouragement by clinging to the promises of God and also by worship. This is why this is a beautiful passage from the Apostle Paul. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Beloved brethren, we need to meet together for worship so that we can draw encouragement from Father and from his son, Yahushua. We need to meet for worship so that we can get encouragement from one another. Worship gives us encouragement. So that's another thing that we can do to overcome our fears. You know, when we seek each other's help and guidance, when we seek each other's encouragement. So regularly seek encouragement from the word and promises of God, from worship, and from each other. And lastly, what also must we do? Let's read the book of Judges 7, 16, 18. He divided the 300 men into three groups and gave each man a ram's horn and a clay jar with a torch in it. Then he said to them, keep your eyes on me. When I come to the edge of the camp, do just as I do. As soon as I and those in 
with me blow the ram's horns, blow your blow your horns too all around the entire camp and shout for and shout for Yahuwah and for Gideon. And so here's Gideon is rallying his troops, giving them encouragement, and also kind of creating a strategy like a battle cry, so that they can kind of mobilize themselves and get get them get themselves ready for battle. And so what does he do? He divides the 300 men into three groups, and each is given a ram's horn, a clay jar with a torch in it. And what do they do through the leadership of Gideon? Well, when they see Gideon blowing the ram's horn, they're supposed to blow their horns too. And then they're going to go all the way around the camp, blowing the horns around the camp, and they're going to shout for Yahuwah and for Gideon. Does this sound familiar? It should sound familiar. Ram's horn going around the city, shouting. Ram's horn going around the city, shouting. What should that remind you of? Remember Joshua? When he went around the city of Jericho, blew the ram's horn, and they went to shout for victory. And so what is Gideon doing? He is relying on a pattern of faith and victory, and he's using that pattern following the example of that pattern for his own battle. In other words, he was rehearsing his faith by learning from the past, from learning from what the people of God did in the past. And so what happened when they carried this out? It was just after midnight, after the changing of the guard, when Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the midnight camp, suddenly they blew the ram's horns and broke their clay jars and all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars. They held the blazing torches in their left hands and the horns in the right hands, and they all shouted, a sword for Yahuwah and for Gideon. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched all, watched as all the Midianites rushed around in a panic, shouting as they ran to escape. When the 300 Israelites blew the ram's horns, Yahuwah caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other, with their swords. Those who were not killed fled to places as far away as Beth Shittah near Zerah and to the border of Abel Meholah near Tabath. And so they were victorious because they were obedient to the will of Yahuwah. And so in the process of this great ordeal, this great challenge, Gideon's faith grew before he was fearful. Now he is fear. Less. And he gives us a template by which we can also follow so that we can go from being fearful to being fearless. We need to cry out to God, invoke the, the name of Yahuwah and Yahusha, knowing what it's, it means, be accountable, take responsibility for our shortcomings, measure the problem based on Yahuwah's strength and not ours, experience the shalom or peace of Yahuwah through reverent and fervent worship, remove hindrances to fellowship with Yahuwah, take the action of faith, address our doubts and grow our faith, regularly seek encouragement from the word and promises of God, worship in each other, follow the patterns and examples of faith and victory. So when we regularly do this, we will go from being fear fearful to becoming fearless. This is why the story of Gideon is a story primarily about overcoming what? Fear. Is that important? I think so. 
But you know what? The story of Gideon is not just a story about overcoming fear. No. It's also a story about what Yahuwah can do with a very small remnant. You notice the pattern of scripture? How he uses the weak, the humble, and the small. He doesn't use the great. He uses the small and the weak and the humble. He uses the small remnant of Gideon's army to carry out the his purpose for the people of Israel. And so Gideon's small remnant, because the people of Israel were composed of how many tribes? How many tribes? Well, started out with 12 tribes. Pretty big. But not all the tribes showed up for battle. How many? Four. Manasseh, Asher, Zebulon, and Naphtali. That's it. Four of the 12 tribes were represented for battle. Four. Of the four 12, of the 12 tribes, when you, when you count them all, it's 32,000 men. But from 32,000 men, it became how many? 10,000. From 10,000, it became how many? 300. 300 out of all the tribes of Israel? What's 300 divided by 2 million? 300 out of 2 million. <laughs> That's a very, very small remnant. Only 300. People of Israel were maybe 2 million strong at that point. More than 2 million, maybe 3, 4 million. Right? And only 300. 300 out of 4, 4, 4 or 5 million people were the ones who did the work of faith. Small remnant. Why only 300? Because what Yahuwah was looking for was were those who were fearful or those who were not afraid and those who were not fearful. Because those who were fearful and afraid, Yahuwah says, go home. Yahuwah God cannot use us if we're easily overcome by fear. And he gives the test. Only 300 drank from their hands. Why do you suppose that is? You see, there were people who drank by stooping and kneeling to the water. And there were people who cupped the water and brought it close to their mouth. Right? When you will stoop to the water and kneel down, you know what you're doing? You're putting yourself in a vulnerable position. In other words, you're not vigilant. But a person who scoops water, it tells us a lot about that person. He is vigilant. You see, the reason why it went from 32,000 to 300 is because Jehovah God is looking for fearlessness and vigilance. We're very small. The assembly of Yahusha, we're very small. But we have to be brave. We have to be fearless. And we have to be vigilant for Yahuwah God to use us. And Yahuwah God can transform a life. None of us were born fearless. None of us were born vigilant. But it's something we can learn. Something that we can train ourselves with. Who is the perfect example? Gideon! And something wonderful. We're almost done, brethren. I just need to share this. Because something about our Father Yahuwah that we need to adopt in the way we deal with our children. Those of you who are parents, 
and you have kids of your own, or maybe you belong to an organization and you're meeting a lot of people, look at what how Yahuwah deals with Gideon. If you remember back in Judges 6, 11, 12, Yahuwah says to the angel, give this message to Gideon. Yahuwah is with you. Bring him and mighty man. If you were to ask Gideon at that moment, if you were to ask people at that point, is Gideon brave and mighty? What do you think? No. Do you know why Yahuwah said brave and mighty man? Was Yahuwah lying? No. He saw the potential of Gideon. That's what Yahuwah sees in people. He sees the potential in people. It's unfortunate. So many parents today, they don't see the potential of their own kids. All they see are their warts and weaknesses and vices and shortcomings. Nothing wrong with addressing all those. We have to. But brethren, we have to identify also their strengths, their potential, and nurture that potential. That's what good parenting is all about. Creating a vision for your child. Seeing something they cannot yet see. Seeing something nobody else sees. Yahuwah saw that in Gideon. And so even though it was not yet evident, he saw that and said to the angel, Yahuwah is with you, Gideon. And when Yahuwah saw him, Yahuwah said, you are brave and mighty man. Not only that, Yahuwah also said, your great strength. Yahuwah believed in Gideon, even though there was no reason for him to be trusted and to be believed in. I mean, what would you do if somebody believed you enough that he would support you and say something like, I myself am sending you. Can you imagine Yahuwah, the creator of the universe, believing in you and your strength and your ability and saying to you, I myself am sending you. Do you know why Yahuwah was able to say that to Gideon? Because he was teachable. He was moldable. He was humble. He was weak. This is why Yahuwah begins with those who were weak. And humble because Yahuwah can shape them so that they can fulfill the potential that they have inside of them. Beloved brethren, beloved parents who are here, see and nurture the potential in your children because that's what Yahuwah wants. And nurture that with patience. I mean, if Yahuwah was patient with Gideon, right, asking for all these tests still being afraid. If Yahuwah was patient with Gideon, we can be patient with our own children. Hold on to that vision that you have for them, the potential that God has given them. I'd like to share with you, um, I'm not going to mention the name, but this person, female, wrote this in one of the magazines, and this is what she says. When you tell, when you tell a child she is worthless, she will believe you. She may spend the rest of her life proving you right. She may find ways to punish, sabotage, and otherwise harm herself to reinforce her feelings of inadequacy, shame, and guilt. She may learn to live with her breath half held, unable to pursue the things she wants most because she doesn't feel worthy of them. I know this because I lived it. Never underestimate the power and effects of words. Beloved parents who are here, studies have shown when parents say to their children, you're good for nothing, you're going to end up in jail one day, 
You know what usually happens? They end up in jail. Don't, under, uh, don't underestimate the power of words. Words are powerful. When you have a child, ask Yehovah Abba, show me their potential. Look at them, enjoy them, nurture that potential, and cause them to grow in faith. We are the children of God, beloved brethren. And because we are the children of God, what is the potential that Yehovah God sees in each and every one of us? Let's read the final passage of our studies today. First John 3, 1 to 2. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. That is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Beloved brethren, all of us were called to be the sons and daughters of Abba Yahuwah. We are the children of God. And the Bible says, how great is the love Yahuwah Abba has lavished upon us. Because he sees something in us. And sometimes we don't see it ourselves. Why not ask the Father, Father, what is my gift? What do you want me to do? What do you see in me that I cannot yet see in myself? What do you see in me that others have failed to see? Because if there is one who will know our potential and our gift and purpose in life, it would be our Father. Go on your knees and go to him and say to him, Father, what do you want me to accomplish? I surrender myself to you. It doesn't matter how old you are. You can be five years old, 20 years old, 99 years old. It's never too late to go before Abba and say to him, Father, what do you envision in me? I submit to your will. I want to be what you want me to be. And so long as we will submit to the will of the, our Father, we will reach that potential because his plan for all of us is that we will be like him, like his beloved son. All of us have a bright future because we all belong to the household of Yahuwah. Let us stand and we shall pray together. Everlasting Father, Yahuwah Almighty, we count on you for everything in our life. We trust you and we love you because you are patient with us. You understand that we are but dust. We are but flesh. And so you want us to grow. Sometimes we fall down and stumble in the process of learning. But Father, every time we get back up, you are there to encourage us. You are there to remind us that we are your sons and daughters. Father, what a great privilege it is to count on you when nobody else will be on our side. There will be times in our life when we will feel afraid and alone, when no one seeks to encourage us. But every time we go to you and submit to you, you are always there because you are Yahuwah, faithful to his promises, faithful to his covenant, unfailing in love. Father, 
We love you so much. We don't want to disappoint you. Father, help us. Show us what we need to do. Show us our purpose in our home, our purpose in this world, that we might shine brightly and be your instruments. Our King Yahushua, help us to overcome fear. Teach us to walk with you. Walk with us every step of the way that we might overcome fear and remain courageous until the end. Teach us to live by faith. You have overcome the world, and in you we have peace, the Shalom of Abba. Father, thank you for being with us. May you bless your people all over the world. Teach us to make that stand, to reject anything that hinders our fellowship with you, and to commit ourselves to you and your promises. May you heal those who are sick among us. May you restore physical health and especially bless our spiritual life so that our faith will continue to grow. We believe, Father, you have listened to our prayers, for we ask everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua HaMashiach. Amen.